Hello, guys. Welcome to my show. My guest today is a very interesting person. Uh, she lives in Sydney, Australia, and um, her name is Karen Hall. Um, she is a registered nurse, and she is also an artist. And now she she's taking on a new profession. She is a crystal Reiki master. And I think uh, it's a very interesting and uh, powerful combination um, to hold all those uh, three very different uh, professions in one person. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, I'm I'm so excited you're here. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's lovely to be here. And thank you for the invite. I love your studio. It looks beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's new. All right, let's let's dive in then. Let's talk about your creative path. You've been working as a registered nurse for 25 yes. years. Yes. Then you became a real artist. And now you're a crystal Reiki master. Yes. yes. All, all, all these jobs uh, relate to personal healing. And yes. uh, I wonder what drove you to pursue these three very different careers? Uh, well, actually, my first job when I left school, I worked in the bank where I met my husband. Um, and I worked in the bank for about two years. Uh, but I knew it was a great place to meet my husband, but it wasn't fulfilling for me. And at that point, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. But um I knew I wanted to do something fulfilling. And back then you could do nursing training in the hospitals. You didn't have to go to university. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so you could get a qualification while you worked. And so, um, you know, I always loved nurturing people um, and helping people. So um, I was drawn to nursing and, you know, I loved nursing. For 25 years I loved nursing. Um, Most of my nursing career, I worked in medical centres and I did feel towards the end, I was starting to feel like there was, um, you know, medicine in the medical centres. It felt like it was becoming more about money Mm -hmm. and not so much about the patients. And so I was starting to become disillusioned and and my journey into art, because I you know, I am quite spiritual and um, I definitely feel we're guided as to what we're meant to do. So while still nursing, we went on a family holiday to Tasmania. And I know some people know this story, but um, I wasn't, you know, for 20 years, I really didn't do a lot of art. I loved doing art as a kid. But then like everybody else, you know, you kind of get busy with a career and raising a family and, and you just don't have time. Uh, and so we took our family on a holiday to Tasmania and we were sitting on a pebbled beach in Tasmania and and I was looking out to the horizon and then this sort of overwhelming sensation came over me that I need to draw, I need to draw. And I picked up a pebble and a sharp rock and I was just etching into the pebble and then after that we spent the rest of the holiday and I dragged Steve and the kids to every art shop and every gallery and just you know absorbing it all and getting ideas and um came home and still nursing but spent every spare minute I could um at that point more painting I was doing um miniature watercolors because I'd seen some in a gallery in Tasmania and was drawn to that but 
as a kid, my favourite present for birthday or Christmas was always to get a box of coloured pencils. From there, I started to get commission work and things were picking up. And that's when I was starting to get a little bit disillusioned with feeling like nursing was more about money and not so much about um, the patients. You know, we had to kind of churn them through, um, you know, get them in and out. And I was like, you know, but I want to care for these people and talk to them you know mm-hmm. so I was coming home from work in tears and then my amazingly supportive husband said to me look why don't you just give the nursing a break for a while and focus on your art you know you're starting to get commissions and and it was really hard to sort of give up an income and then you know do art um but I did it and never looked back you know things started to pick up with the art and I got busier and busier and then ultimately um, because in Australia if you don't keep up your your working hours and your education then you're taken off the register for um, nursing. So ultimately um, they sort of said to me, we're really sorry, we have to take you off the register. So at that point there was kind of no going back. I couldn't be a registered nurse anymore and mm-hmm. so I just threw myself into art which you know, I just loved anyway. The holiday to Tasmania was in 2006 um, and I probably, I can't remember exactly, but I probably left nursing around 2009, 2010 and was a full-time artist, you know, in the years um, up until now. But then in the last year or two, whilst I still love doing art, I was starting to feel like I needed something more you know I I've written I don't know 50 or 60 tutorials I'd sort of you know I've never been an ambitious person anyway um and I felt like I'd sort of accomplished more with the art than I even imagined Mm -hmm. um and I didn't really I didn't really have any idea where else I wanted to go with it so I was starting to get a bit you know just looking for something more Mm-hmm. And um, and so, uh, you know, this will sound a bit crazy, but, uh, you know, I've meditated for quite a few years now. Um, I actually started meditating before doing the, um, the tour of the, the U.S. workshop tour because I was so anxious about doing workshops. I'd never run a workshop I'd never been to a workshop I didn't even know if I could do it I had a bit of a phobia about speaking in public um and so the thought just terrified me so I I turned to meditating so that was about five or six years ago um and so early last year um there was a guided meditation that takes you to your future self and shows you you know what you could be doing or will be doing um, and at the time, I, I was quite sceptical. You know, I, I, I thought, how's that going to work? You know, um, but anyway, I did the meditation. Uh, and at first, you know, I'm sitting there, all zen, nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, I got a vision of my older self, gray hair, and um, I was leaning over people. And then the word Reiki flashed so clearly in my head. And I'm not really one for... I struggle to visualize, you know, I don't get visions and I had no idea what Reiki was. So this word is flashing in my head and I'm thinking, what on earth is Reiki? So I finished the meditation, jumped on the computer 
looked up what Reiki was about, uh, then did a couple of online courses um, for Reiki, uh, was led to crystals, and then from there, so within Australia, Reiki Australia organisation, they don't recognise online courses for Reiki. They only recognise it if you've done it in person with a master. So I've now done level one and two in Reiki with a master and I'm booked in next month to do um, my master's in Reiki. So, you know, I still do art, but it's shifted now more to being a hobby rather than a career. Mm -hmm. And I'm still passionate about art. It's just that I knew I needed something more in my life than just drawing all the time, you Mm -hmm. know. So that's Um, some. That's okay. the long version. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it's very good. It's very good to know. We are going to talk about all of these things. So I think we are going to start with your art and then yeah. we can uh, go from there and talk about Reiki. You can explain everything about it because I don't know much besides the fact that it's uh, it comes from Japan and, you know, it's a, it's an energy field. Um, but anyways, let, let's go, uh, let's discuss your art first. I am assuming you're a self-taught artist, are you? Yes. yes. Because, because of your story. Well, yes. that that's amazing because uh, how could you be so good without any formal um, education? Well, I, I, whilst my mum doesn't accept it, I... I I credit my mum to a lot of that because I think she's an amazing artist, but she she is very humble and she denies that. Uh, and I, as a little kid, I would grow, you know, we'd go on holidays and she would be drawing. She'd have the big old Walter Foster books. You, do you remember the old <laughs> Walter Foster books? Okay. And she would have those and, and we would sit together on the lounge and, and draw together, just draw faces or dogs, cats, whatever. And they were such happy memories for me. But I think I gained an understanding of shading and tone from mum. Mum is, she prefers graphite. She's mm-hmm. not really into colour. Um, and the interesting thing is that, you know, um, my brothers and uh, three of my four kids are all colorblind. So oh. mum and I are the carriers, you know, we're carriers for, for that gene. Uh, you know, I feel for my boys because they don't see colour in the same way as what mm-hmm. we do. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to imagine because colour is you know, I love colour. I just love colour. Mm-hmm. So whilst mum was drawn to doing graphite, I was always drawn to doing colour. And, um, you know, I I feel like sometimes we're just given gifts and you don't know why. And for me, colour was always intuitive. Mm-hmm. So I think shading and the tone I learned from mum, you know, I don't consider myself a great drawer as such because I don't, you know, if I did a freehand portrait, it would probably be pretty dreadful. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure the proportions would be all out. And, and so I've always been fairly, you know, upfront and shameless about the fact that, yep, I do. I trace a basic outline from a photo mm-hmm. uh, just to get everything in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, because sitting there and fretting over proportions and everything mm-hmm. doesn't appeal to me. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, a lot of purists will say, well, you know, that's that's kind of cheating or, you know, you're not a real artist. But I think, well, that's fine. But I just believe we're 
each given different gifts. And I know my gift wasn't freehand drawing, mm-hmm. whereas other people can sit there and, you know, sketch away and, and mm-hmm. do an amazing likeness. But I think, you know, I was I um, was intuitive with colour and, mm-hmm. you know, shading and toning. And so um, I don't know if I got off track there. But anyway, yeah, I give it to my mum. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you're talking about uh, tracing the images and you know it it makes me think of my education um, I went like after getting my master's degree I went to New York and I studied classic like classical painting and that involved a lot of sketching from figure and stuff what I realized is that it does matter but uh, I think every artist is free to use the tools. Yeah. It, it just doesn't matter if you, I think if you can achieve the result, it doesn't matter how you do it as long as it's beautiful. I think, um, you know, it, it, well, obviously it's quite a contentious issue. There's a lot of people who, um, you know, have strong feelings one way or the other. But, you know, for me, art should be enjoyable, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know what, I would love to be able to, um, you know, draw amazingly freehand. And I do think, I think journals are a great tool. And I think if I had any kind of regrets, it would be, I wish I'd started an art journal from a young age and just, you know, taken it to cafes or the beach or a picnic or whatever, and just sat there and sketched. And I think, you know, if you did that regularly, um, you'd be better. But I'm kind of an impatient person mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, I haven't put in the time I'm sure if I sat down and sketched from life mm-hmm. all the time, I'd get better. But I just want to jump in and do mm-hmm. the colour and the I shape. understand, yeah. I yeah. think, uh, it, you know, doing any kind of art, doing it well is a lot of struggle. And yes. I think we need to minimise that, minimise yes. the difficulties and the struggle. So who cares how it's done? Yes, yes. exactly it's right. Done. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. I agree. Um, could you uh, describe your art to people who have never seen it before? Like, what is it exactly? I mean, I know what it is, but it's yes. just... you know, I have always strived for photorealism, mm-hmm. um, and probably a lot of my artwork is photorealistic. If I was to say what I really, really want to create. I would rather be more creative and imaginative and um, more intuitive with my art. But it's sort of, you know, when it comes to, say, say your art, for example, you know, and I followed your art for years and I feel like it, it tells a story and it, it just, it often has symbolism and, mm-hmm and very deep meaning in it, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's the kind of art I would have liked to have created, something that really speaks to people. But whether it's that I don't have the imagination or I don't have the story to tell or maybe my life purpose was really more to show people how to do photorealistic art and I kind of feel mm-hmm. that's what it was all about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, photorealistic art is is kind of easy for me um and it's and it's 
maybe because it's easy for me, I wish I could do other kind of art. But I know there's a lot of artists out there who struggle to do photorealistic art and mm-hmm. they want to know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the art I have done has been about, you know, how can I show people, you know, how they can achieve this? Mm-hmm. So whether it's using different surfaces or different techniques, um, the purpose to my art has mostly been helping others with their art. It's like, you know, if you've got straight hair, you want curly hair. If you've got curly hair, you want straight hair. It's a little bit the same with art sometimes. You know, I'll, I'll see illustrative pieces, creative pieces, imaginative pieces, and I think, I wish I could do that. Mm-hmm. But give me a photo give me some pencils and usually I can, um, you know, reproduce it. I do try, as I got more, um, as my art developed, I really tried to steer away from exactly replicating a photo and mm-hmm. either in, in kind of improving the photo or putting some of myself into it, um, still trying to achieve a photorealistic look, but not sort of so much so you've got a photo and an artwork and they look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... I think that's something that's really important for artists mm-hmm. to try to do because otherwise, and there have been, well, you hear those comments anyway or you're just a photocopier and there have been times where I've actually felt that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's really important, you know, if if for artists out there who want to do photorealistic art, you know, develop your techniques so that you, you get to a level, level of photorealism that you're happy with, mm-hmm. but then try and take it to the next level where you um, are using a photo or better still a combination of photos and then adapting it to make it your own, to make mm-hmm. it, you know, better or different to the photo. So I think that's sort of been my journey as an artist as well is Mm -hmm. to think okay you know here's a photo but how can I make it my own how can I make it better actually you answered my question because I wanted to ask you um, what you wanted to achieve with your art but you already answered (laughs) yeah yeah how did you push yourself to become a better artist probably by trying different mediums different surfaces combinations um you know, I did look at other artists more so in my early journey, but um, not so much to compare my art to their art because I think that's, you know, that that can do you in. You know, you mm-hmm. think, oh, I'm not as good as them. But more, um, you know, I would, I'd, I'd sort of think I'd be inspired by other artists and think, mm-hmm. wow, you know, I wonder if I could do that. So I, I'd sort of take the... Um, the styles or the techniques of other artists, but then I try and make it my own and adapt it. And along the way, I have probably um, thrown away more pieces than I've completed. Yeah. Um, you know, and I still I still look at my portfolio and there's very few pieces that I'm really proud of. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not a bad thing because if you look at your whole portfolio and you go, yep, I've nailed it, that's, pretty amazing then you're not striving to be better and you're not you're not improving and Mm -hmm. most artists you speak to um feel some level of dissatisfaction with you know what they've created um and 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 I think that's good because then you're always you're always striving to be better so I do get bored very easily um so you know I I know so galleries like to see a theme in your art. They like to mm-hmm. see continuity. Um, 
And that's something I struggle with Mm -hmm. uh, because I would rather try new things all the time Mm -hmm. than do a whole series of things that are the same, Mm -hmm. Um, which can be a disadvantage for artists who want to get, uh, get known I think you, you know, if you want to become a really well-known artist and and in demand with galleries and prints and that, you have to have a certain style that's different and unique and has continuity. Um, And that's that's something that I've never been able to achieve either. I, I just am always looking. New art materials come online. Great. Let's order it. Let's try it. Let's see what we can do. Um, you know, and then let's mix it up a bit. And if somebody says to me, you know, you can't do that with this medium, you can't do that with, you know, you're not meant to do it this way or that way, then I will bust a boiler to try and do it that way. Because, you know, I I don't know, maybe there's a rebel in me, but I just think um, it's so fun to try something different and mm-hmm. to push the boundaries of mediums, especially coloured pencils, mm-hmm. um, you know, to see what can be achieved yeah the first time I saw your work I was like I was stunned like really? yeah, yeah the realistic effect and light and dark uh, I mean I really loved it and I couldn't Thanks. believe you were self-taught so it's amazing I'm kind of I'm kind of disappointed you're not doing it anymore to the same well, I oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh well yeah I, I've had that comment from a lot of people but I think you can reach a point where you think you know what else can I do mm-hmm. what um no I think you need to listen to yourself so if it's yeah. not working you know there there must be something else yeah yeah, yeah. I, I'm I thinking think- about it all the time if you know, sometimes I want to quit and what else could I do? And then I just go back to art. Oh, really? Is yeah, that's art? very simple. Yeah. Yes, and, yes. And it's like a loop. It, it has been hard because in some ways I feel like, you know, people are disappointed or or maybe feel let down because I, I haven't done much art in the last year. But um, I think you might come back to it um, sometime yes. in the future when Definitely. you get all your energy yes. flowing. Yes, <laughs> I, I think so too. I, I yeah. mean, I think maybe what I do in the future will be different. I, I don't know that I would produce tutorials. There's so many artists out there now who are creating tutorials and then, you know, they're better than the ones I do and, um, you know, there's when I first started creating tutorials, there weren't many artists out there. Mm-hmm. They're doing it, so there was a real demand. But now I think there's so many artists doing beautiful tutorials, so the, people don't need my tutorials. Um, oh so yeah, I, they do. But I think after your reiki establishes, or yeah, establishes, yeah, then yeah. It, well, I, I'm thinking that your art would be personal after that. Yes, yes, that that actually is probably what I'd like to do. Perhaps express, um, I don't know, some of my spirituality through mm-hmm. the art. Yeah, um, yeah, and I and think you'll get there. Yeah. Yes, yes. So maybe shift more, 
you know, to personal pieces like you do, which would mm-hmm. be, it would be lovely to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay. My next question. Sure. Um, if you advise someone uh, to begin uh, doing art, uh, what would be uh, the reason to do so? Because it's a very difficult profession, obviously. It's, it takes a lot of time to learn uh, the techniques. And then everything about being an artist is uncertainty. <laughs> so are you, so, are you referring what, to them so, wanting to do a career in art or just to do art? Uh, just to do art. Like what would be the reason uh, to do art? Like oh. if if you see someone who asks for your opinion, what would you advise? And they're new to art. Yeah. Um, I would say explore, uh, you know, look at other artists and learn from other artists to find out what appeals to you, what, um, you know, what mediums appeal to you, what style appeals to you. And see if you can research, you know, what, what techniques and mediums those artists use mm-hmm. and then make it your own. Um, you know, dabble with different mediums, with different surfaces. Um, and don't, whilst I say look at other artists, as you're doing your pieces, don't compare yourself to other artists. Because, you know, even when um, with my tutorials or with my workshops and everybody's working from the same reference photo and the same tutorial and every single piece looks quite different like Mm -hmm. that and and so it's amazing to me how you know even and they all they all might look photorealistic but there's a little bit of that person in each artwork and I think you know don't don't try to replicate what that person's doing because you've got a bit of yourself in there and you want that to come through in your art. So Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, it's a common question in the coloured pencil forums. What's the best surface to work with? What's the best brand of coloured pencils to work with? And and there's no simple answer to that because, you know, some artists like working with toothy papers. I prefer a more smoother surface. Some people try drafting film and they can't stand it. Um, you know, and the same with pencils. You know, there are artists who swear by Prismacolors and others who are not fan of Prismacolors. So there's no single answer for everything. So my advice is, um, you know, within your budget, if you're thinking, you know, what brand of coloured pencils is the best, go and get a couple of each of them, just a couple of pencils from each of the main brands. Mm -hmm. Try and get samples of different surfaces and then play, play and play and play. And don't, you know, expect yourself to create masterpieces from the start because none of us do. And, you know, when we were on holidays in Tasmania, you know, when I had this epiphany, and, you know, I look back at the artworks that I did on that holiday and my family have looked at them and just laughed because they're so bad. You know, they're really dreadful. Um, and I think that's the thing. And you often see it in the art forums where people will say, you know, this is an artwork I did five years ago and this is an artwork I'm doing now. And it's amazing to see the development. So, you know, it does take practice and it does take time and you, you, um, you know, you've got to put the work in, 
um, and, you know, not be afraid to fail and, um, yeah, don't give up if you think, oh, I'm not good enough or, you know, my artwork isn't as good as, as that person's there. Over the years I have copped a bit of criticism because within the art forums I, um, you know, I tend to be encouraging or complimentary of people's artworks and and it's been said to me oh you you know you just um give kind comments to people even when their artwork is terrible but I don't look at it that way because I don't look at any artwork and think oh yeah that's terrible um and and I've had artists come to me and say you know I nearly gave up on my art except that you gave me an encouraging word and then Mm -hmm. that that motivated me to keep going and I'm so glad I did and you know that that is probably the best compliment that anybody can give me you know Mm -hmm. because I think um art can be such a comfort to people you know last year I I wonder how many people found that art got them through COVID you know because Mm -hmm. they couldn't see their loved ones or you know they couldn't do the things that they they normally love to do but most of us could still do art you know um and I, I think art isn't just about creating a masterpiece or doing doing mm-hmm. something amazing it's about expressing yourself um it can be a meditative process it can give us so much joy and satisfaction it can also give us a lot of frustration but you've got to work through that you know mm-hmm. and um and just and I think look probably the best piece of advice I could give anybody in art and it's one that it took me a long time to learn myself is enjoy the process mm-hmm. don't keep looking at the finish line don't rush it and 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 always be anxious to finish a piece because and I was like that you know if, if a piece took me longer than six to eight hours I was so bored with it and, you know, frustrated and impatient. Um, and and then over time I realised that that, you know, that, that was taking away my enjoyment for mm-hmm. art. Now I can sit at a piece for weeks and just go back to it and and feel peace and just work on an area and, in, and just get that area right and, sit back and look at it and it doesn't matter if it's not finished for weeks you know colored colored pencil is such a tedious medium it takes forever to finish anything so so i'm surprised you're saying like uh, you were tired of it in eight hours i mean i wouldn't be accomplishing much drawing for eight hours and it's... well I, I I started off as a miniature artist so I was doing oh, very okay pieces. you know one of the pieces that actually um has been probably my most popular piece um and I don't know if you're familiar with it the Grandpa Elliot piece mm-hmm. that we, yeah and that was done from a photo that my brother and sister-in-law took um on their honeymoon in New Orleans and I did that on a Saturday afternoon like I did that in about six to eight hours and it was quite surprising to me that that a piece that was um that was relatively easy didn't cause me any angst didn't take me you know weeks to do was ended up being one of my most popular pieces but I sometimes accredit that more to the fact of you know who it was and he's such a are you familiar with Grandpa Elliot? 
I, I remember the drawing, but I don't know the story behind it. Oh, so he's a, um, he's a street musician in New Orleans who's blind. Oh, he's okay. completely blind um, and plays the harmonica. And, um, you know, I think if you watch YouTube videos of him and, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's, there's just this beautiful essence that comes from him. And I think it was a bit of him that came through in the artwork. And, mm-hmm. and so I give credit to him that it was quite a, a popular artwork. But, um, you know, so that's the thing. You can create an artwork relatively quickly and it can be, you know, appreciated by the masses. Mm-hmm. And then you can spend weeks or months on a piece and nobody gives it the time of day. It's one of those mm-hmm. unpredictable things that you you know none of us know which of our artworks are going to be um, successful and and which one's not you know so what's your favorite piece do you have several (laughs) no I I have I have very few favorite pieces I don't um, as soon as I finished a piece it gets put away and I put it out of my thought and move on to the next one like I'm always really excited to to move on to the next piece and I don't tend to have any you know sentimentality about pieces that I've completed in the past Mm -hmm. so you know I've heard some artists say that they really um they felt sad to let go of a piece whereas Mm -hmm. I've never felt that way it's like great go you know (laughs) if this this piece brings somebody joy I'm happy Mm -hmm. um I, I could probably say, because I don't know how many artworks I've done over the years, but there's probably only half a dozen where I go, oh, I really like that one. I mean, Grandpa Elliot is probably one of them because um, because it was the first piece to be accepted into the CPSA exhibition mm-hmm. uh, and and because um, because that piece brought me, I suppose, more... Uh, acknowledgement or people were more aware of my art so I guess it's pieces that have been milestones in my art that maybe I look back Mm -hmm. on there's a little piece I did um, a little and I have it I have it hanging I could go and get it and show you if you want Um, because it's I did it was a little two by three inch piece of a squirrel or chipmunk I get them mixed up, but, you know, with a butterfly on its nose. Only because the original was two by three inches and then my brother um, blew it up for me. Wow. (laughs) So that that piece I had on the Illustrators Australia, Illustrators Australia website, Um, and then the publishers Hatchet spotted it on that um, Illustrators Australia website and then asked me to do a couple of children's books. So, you know, that piece, it's not my best piece, but it has sentimental value for me because of what it led to. So I think it's more, you know, my favourite pieces are those that um, led to something or Mm -hmm. uh, mean something to me because of what happened with them. Now I'm thinking you have a class on crafty, uh, teaching colored pencil. How did that come about? 
put forth. So Cynthia Knox, mm-hmm. um, I hope she won't mind me mentioning her. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, we've been dear friends for a long time um, and she had done a couple of craft classes on Craftsy and Craftsy had approached her and said, you know, can you recommend anybody? Mm-hmm. Um, and she put my name forth and so then Craftsy contacted me. So I'm forever grateful to Cynthia mm-hmm. because it was the most incredible experience. I don't know that they now bring international artists across to America to do Mm -hmm. that because it must have been such an expensive process for them. Um, And so they they flew my husband Steve and I into Denver and and we did the filming over three days and it was the most amazing experience. So, um, yeah, most of the, I suppose, successes that I've had have not been things that I've sought out, but rather um, things people have contacted me and said, you know, would you like to do this? And, you know, the kind of person that I am, my first inclination is to say no, because I really, you know, I'm a homebody um, and I'm probably quite um, a bit of a hermit, a bit shy, so, you know, to go, the thought of going and, you know, filming a class for crafts, it was terrifying for me. But, you know, I'm so glad I did it. It was an amazing experience. And, um, yeah, hopefully the class helps people. How did you uh, deal with your <laughs> fear, I guess? Well, I made it very clear to Crafty that um, I would be very reliant on the teleprompter because, um I do have a tendency to blank quite easily. Yeah. So Me that too. was my yeah, sorry. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So my biggest fear was that the camera's rolling and because you have to draw and talk at the same yeah. time. It's, and it's I'm so difficult. used to mm-hmm. yeah, I'm so used to being in my own little world, talking to nobody, just drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew that I would um just get lost. Uh, with my train of thought or whatever, unless they had the teleprompter there. So they apparently now when you do a crafty class, they don't want you to use the teleprompter as much, you know, because obviously they want it to be more natural or whatever. But I think if that was the case, I probably wouldn't get through it because the teleprompter and the staff there at Crafty were just so supportive and amazing. So um, they got me through it we have these fears sometimes and we tell ourselves, I don't think I can do it, but then you just got to go with it and, and just face it. And then a lot of times we can do things that we don't even think, you know, Mm -hmm. we're capable of. So somehow I got through it and I'm glad I did it. And, and I think that's been with everything, you know, oh, will you do a children's book? Oh, I don't know if I can do a children's book. Okay, I'll give it a go. You know, will you do some workshops in the US? I don't know if I can do that, but, you know, we mm-hmm. got there and then Lisa Ann Watkins, come and do some workshops in the UK. But that was a bit easier because I'd done the workshops in the US then. So, um, you know, uh, Walter Foster, will you do a portrait book? Um Everything, if you'd said to me 15 years ago that these would be some of the things that I would end up doing, I I would have said, I don't think so. 
I, you know, that that's, <laughs> I'm not capable of doing those things. So, um, you know, I, I think we're all probably capable of doing more than what we give ourselves credit for mm-hmm. as long as we don't let our fears stop us, which is so easy to do, isn't it? <laughs> Besides your obvious talent uh, for drawing, I, I, I actually find you uh, very entrepreneurial, like you are able to communicate uh, to people well, you have a following, uh, you've done lots of tutorials. Where does that come from? Because a lot of artists just do art and they can't really uh, uh, put it out there. Definitely, I think that was something I was born with. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, my dad, who's no longer with us, was the most amazing person who could put his hand to absolutely anything and did so many different jobs throughout his lifetime and every job he did he excelled at so Mm -hmm. you know I kind of grew up in that environment where he I'm the eldest of five kids and he made us all believe that we could do anything um very organized Mm -hmm. I I mean I got a a medal in preschool for being the most organized four-year-old so it was like something that that kind of was there from the start and and I think it just it just interests me you know with um I've had my website now for since 2006 so coming up 15 years and I think I, I a lot of the things that I sort of started and tried was at a time where a lot of people especially my age were a bit fearful you know of of technology the internet um and so when things came along um I would just learn it and try and do it and that's something that I don't feel fearful about. I guess that's part of it. I, I, th- I hear people and they sort of a bit fearful of the entrepreneurial side of it, whereas that's never scared me. I think you've just got to get in and just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does take time too. You've got to put the work in, I think. Uh, you know, that's, that's a bit of a struggle for a lot of artists because they just mm-hmm. want to create art, um, which is great. But if you want to make a business out of it, you have to put the time in from the business mm-hmm. side of things too. And so, you know, that I've cut back now, but, you know, I used to spend maybe four to five hours a day on the computer. Yeah. You know, I get up I get up at, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning and, and do emails and comment on people's art and do, mm-hmm. do all that. And then, you know, throughout the day and then again at night. And I, I still you know, get up every day and there'll be questions from customers or in my groups I'll comment or or whatever. I think it's if you want a following, you can't just say to people, come and follow me. Because mm-hmm. you've got to be you've got to be giving back. You've got to be giving mm-hmm. to people. And then, you know, I, I think that's and I've said that over the years that I think um people have said to me, but what what's the key to your success? Um, and as I said to you, I was never really that ambitious and the successes that have come my way weren't things that I sought out. Um, my passion has always been about helping people and, and I, uh, and it still is. So the opportunities that have come my way have come because I was passionate about helping others. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of think, um, 
you know, if you want to be successful um, as an entrepreneur, you, you do have to be prepared to give a lot as, mm-hmm. as well. Give your time, mm-hmm. put the effort in and give to other people, you know. Yeah, I find that I spend about 50% of my time doing other things. But uh, yes. yeah. Like online and that, is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all business-related things <laughs> that need yes. to be done. Yeah. Need it, to be done. Yeah. But it, it, it pays dividends too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very hard to be a, a very successful artist and bring in a lot of income if you just, you know, unless you win some major exhibition or you know if you just want to create art um and you have to have your fingers in so many pies um to be to be successful you know um i i've lost track of all the different sites that i'm on and the different i suppose different sources of income you know so you know so i'll get royalties from the children's books royalties from crafty you know you've got to have a variety of things, I think. Multiple um, income streams, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I definitely think so. Um, and, you know, maybe it'll be teaching or, you know, some people make a very successful career from commissions, but um, that's a hard road. I think that's a hard mm-hmm. road because, you know, mm-hmm. clients can be quite picky and they can send you terrible references and expect you to create Mm -hmm. amazing artworks from those references but you know some people do do have very successful careers doing commissioning Mm -hmm. work Um, let's let's talk about reiki yep because this is a very interesting topic Uh, explain what it means and how you've become involved uh, with reiki we all have Reiki energy. We all, we all have it in us. Um, but it doesn't become activated until we're attuned by another Reiki master. I, I think it's, it's a difficult concept for people to understand. Um, but a common analogy is, you know, if you think of radio waves and tuning into, you know, different channels on the radio, then Reiki is a little bit the same. And so, when when I call in the Reiki energy, I I can actually, you know, feel it moving through me. I can feel it moving through my hands. And most of what I do is distance Reiki, which is a very hard concept for people to get their head around. You know, they they can't understand how they could be miles away. Um, and I, I usually use a teddy bear as a surrogate. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I hold my hands over the various areas of the bear's body but I have set the intention that I'm working on this person I usually have a photo of them there and you know maybe what is it what's their area that they would like worked on is it you know physical pain or is it a emotional blockages um and then I I think about that and I just ask for the energy to go where it's needed most in the body. That's how Reiki works. You know, we can set the intention that somebody might say, oh, you know, I've got back pain. So you set the intention that the Reiki energy will help their back pain. But a lot of, a lot of pain and a lot of emotional, well, a lot of stuff that we, we um, deal with, even illnesses. Comes from emotions. 
emotional blockages yeah. that can go right back to our childhood and we're not even aware that um you know we're carrying those so mm-hmm. when i'm doing reiki on someone whether in person or whether um as a surrogate you can actually feel those blockages and so usually i'll start off by doing a scan of the different chakras and i don't know how do you know what chakras are uh, i do but you can explain it to people <laughs> so um the chakras are the energy centers of the body and we have seven main chakras which is our crown chakra mm-hmm. our third eye chakra throat chakra um our heart chakra then just um below our chest is our um solar plexus around our tummy is our sacral and then um at the base of our spine is our root chakra they're our main energy centers and for me um as a reiki practitioner if i am scanning somebody if somebody's chakras are in balance it feels like a wheel of energy um both around my hand and also in that part of my body even though i'm working on somebody else i can feel what's going on in their body almost in my body um and it is it's very hard to explain um and so the goal initially i'll scan all the chakras just to see which ones are imbalanced which ones are blocked and then i work with my hands to um clear and balance the chakras that helps the reiki energy to work better mm-hmm. and then um you know i call in the reiki and channel the reiki and the reiki goes where it's needed most in the body the body utilizes the reiki energy mm-hmm. and um helps to clear those blockages so you know if we have emotional trauma it's unlikely that one reiki session is going to clear away all the blockages caused by years and years of emotional trauma so um it it usually takes um multiple reiki sessions to do that but you know the other thing i've found the more i've done reiki because i i've never never been psychic never been intuitive in that way um but what i found with reiki is that it tends to open up all those kind of psychic gifts and because we're all psychic it, you know most people say oh i'm not psychic and i was definitely one of those people you know i'm not psychic but actually we all are we just close off to those gifts you know we're so caught up in in sort of the reality of day-to-day living and the material world but when you get in touch with the i mean reiki energy is actually you know it's the universal life force energy which is everybody's loving energy and you can actually when you channel reiki energy it's like you have love flowing through you Mm-hmm. um and it's it's a beautiful feeling so as i lay my hands on a certain area of the body i can feel that flow and then when it's when it's time to move on to another position in the body the flow stops and that tells me okay it's time to move on and sometimes i'm almost sad when the reiki finishes because it's it's such a a lovely feeling it's like you you know when you get feel good endorphins that's what the reiki energy feels like um and you know it's it it's amazing because it's helped people you know i've had several people who contacted me and they had sciatica and i did distance reiki healing for them and with hours their sciatica was gone you know my mum had had 6 weeks of pain she'd been on um schedule 8 drugs so she was on 
um, I think she was on morphine or something for her back pain. And then within a couple of hours of doing the Reiki um, session, her back pain was gone. Her sciatica was gone. So um, it depends what's causing the pain, but it, you know, it, it's not something I talk about a lot because a lot of people either are skeptical or don't understand. Um, so, you know, if people are open and they want to know about it, I love to talk about it because it's such a beautiful thing. So what are the principles of Reiki? Uh, the five principles? Yeah, you can talk about the five principles. Yeah. Okay, so that's because, so I don't know if you want to know the history of, of Reiki. It was actually um, a Dr. Mikao Yasui was a, a Japanese um, or Buddhist monk um back in the early 1900s i think around 1910 um so he did a 21-day meditation and was sent the the reiki symbols and and the guidance to channel reiki um and he developed the five principles of reiki which are just for today i will not worry just for today i will not anger just for today i will be grateful just for today, I will work diligently. And just for today, I will be kind to all living things. And the, the reason he says just for today is because we all stuff up every day. So, you know, you think, okay, just for today, I will not worry, be angry. Every morning I wake up and I, I try to remember to say those principles to myself. Mm-hmm. And most days I fail at at least one, particularly the worry one. To get through the whole day and not worry mm-hmm. is really hard, yeah. um, you know, but and it, it's what it's asking us to do is just to trust that we are where we're meant to be and that everything is unfolding as it's meant to happen and the things that we worry about we don't need to worry about, you know, if we trust. So um, that's why they say just for today, you know, try and do it for today. And then if you fail, then wake up tomorrow just for today. I will not worry. I will not be angry. I will be grateful. I'll work diligently and I'll be kind to all living things, you know. So um, they're beautiful principles to try and live by. Hard, but, you know, beautiful to live by. Could you explain more for history, like um, the time frame, like how did it develop? Yeah, so Dr. Mikhail Yusui did this 21-day meditation and he was given the symbols and um, the, he, he felt the Reiki energy. He was up on a mountain. On his way down the mountain, he actually stubbed his toe and it was bleeding. And so he went down, put his hand down to the toe and the pain immediately went away and the bleeding stopped. And then, so he hadn't eaten for 21 days. I think he must have drunk water. Um, And he went down to a house down the bottom of the mountain and he was able to eat a full meal without being sick, which most people, if they're fasted for 21 days, wouldn't be able to do. And so from there, he, um, he started to... He, he found that he was able to heal people with the Reiki energy. Mm-hmm. And so then he started to teach other people 
you know, how to channel the Reiki. And over the course of his life, he taught, I think, 11 Reiki masters. Um, and one of his masters, masters opened a Reiki school in Japan. And from there, um, a, a, a Japanese Hawaiian lady, she was very ill and flew or went from Hawaii over to Japan and happened to go to this Reiki school mm-hmm. and, found, and found that over the next couple of months, all her issues and illnesses went away. And so she asked to be taught to be a Reiki master. And then she took it back to America. And so right into the 80s, she taught hundreds of people, if not thousands of pe- people, um, what we sort of know as Western Reiki. The Reiki energy has been around for centuries and, you know, um, I believe that what Jesus channeled was Reiki, that Buddha channeled Reiki. Um, It just wasn't called Reiki. But Reiki in the form as we know it has been around for only about 100 years. And it is gaining in popularity. It's it's spreading very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, But you still, you know, even amongst my kids, I you know, my oldest son is very much, you know, show me the scientific evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's there's still a lot of people who are either sceptical or even fearful because, you know, it's something if you can't see it then and you can't understand it, then people can be a bit fearful of that. But I've, I feel like my mission is to help people understand that it's actually beautiful and that it, it can help people. It can heal people and it can help people. Um, And, yeah, I really want to help spread the word about Reiki. Can you talk about uh, crystals, like how you use them, why you use them, like uh, their meaning, uh, all of that? Okay. So after I, you know, first kind of came across Reiki, I was fairly quickly drawn to crystals and my husband, God bless him, um, said one day, one weekend, let's, let's go to a crystal shop and buy you some crystals. Um, and so I picked up some crystals that I was drawn to and started to do research about crystals. And they, they actually have similar DNA to people, believe it or not. And so what I found was if I hold a crystal in my hand, each crystal gives off a different energy. Some energies would resonate with me and some not, but the crystals that might resonate with me might be different for other people. And, you know, it, it was amazing. As my crystal, as I started my collection of crystals, one crystal I have is rainforest rhyonite. So I would hold that crystal in my hand and close my eyes and I would be in, in almost a trance-like state, be transported to a rainforest and be taken on a, a journey through a rainforest. And with most of the crystals, if I hold them, the energy that I get lasts about 10 minutes and then it starts to fade away. Um, but in Reiki healing, I use the crystals um, to, to focus energy for a particular area of the body or a particular need. I then spent about three or four months last year researching all the crystals I had, which is about 160, um, finding out what their properties are, what parts of the body they can heal or help to heal, you know, what um, 
emotions they can work on, um, you know, what zodiac signs are they affiliated with or, or earth ele- elements. Um, and I created these crystal cards, which I sell on Etsy. But, and I'm looking either side because my crystals are all either side of me. So I've got two, four, six. I've got 12 boxes that are all um, set up like this with all the different mm-hmm. crystals in them. When I'm doing distance Reiki, I actually, um, as I place my hands, I'm laying my hands on top of a crystal on top of that part of the body. And that helps the Reiki energy to be focused for a particular area or um, I suppose intention or need. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it necessary to have a crystal or you can do um, energy healing without it? It's not necessary. Um, you know, we're all drawn to different things. So mm-hmm. some people will combine different mo- modalities with Reiki. Uh, it might be aromatherapy. Uh, it might be sound therapy, flower therapy. You know, there's so many different things you can do. I was drawn to crystals. Um I mean, I think they're beautiful mm-hmm. and it was amazing to me how they all carry different energies. Um, you know, some are protective. So some you could carry with you, you know, for protection. Rose quartz is commonly known because of its, you know, it helps you connect with unconditional love. Um, you know, if you're feeling anxious, sitting there and meditating with a particular crystal can help you to relieve your anxiety. So um you know they can be used for so many different purposes you can there's certain crystals that you can place around your plants and they will help your plants to grow oh that Um, would be wonderful (laughs) exactly exactly um you know we're surrounded by gamma rays you know all the devices that we use are giving off um all these gamma rays and the crystals i have crystals placed um you know near the computer um near anything that gives off this radiation Mm -hmm. um, to help absorb and draw that radiation away from us because it's it's not great for our energy field to have to be surrounded by so much of this radiation I mean the crystals need to be cleared regularly if they're used if I use them in Reiki then I always afterwards I wash them in running water then place them in the sun for at least an hour um, and then I um, smudge them with sage and then do Reiki. So there's quite a process for me to clear the crystals between every time they're used. But it is important to clear your crystals because they will, they can hold negative energy as well as positive energy. So you just want to make sure that anytime you're using crystals that that they're cleansed and charged for whatever you want to use them for. Mm-hmm. One thing I should mention about the crystals and, and with the chakras, so our crown chakra is associated with the color sort of white or lilac. Our third eye chakra is associated with indigo. Throat is blue. Heart is either green or pink. Uh, solar plexus is yellow, sacral orange and root red. The knowledge of chakras has been around for like thousands of years. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm sure there is a reason. I think... It's partly, you know, as you get higher up the, because each chakra is associated with different organs and functions. So the root chakra is really about um, grounding, stability, security, our base needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you move higher up, our crown chakra is more associated with spirituality and um, 
you know, uh, soul needs. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure about why the colours are, but what you find is that the crystals of particular colours seem mm-hmm. to resonate with the chakras of the same colour. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you've got most of the green crystals will be associated with the heart chakra. I see. Okay. Yeah, the blue crystals associated with the throat chakra and so mm-hmm. on. So when I am doing um, crystal, crystal Reiki, mostly, um, I mean, I've got the information there about what each crystal will do, but you'll tend to find that you're matching the colours of the crystals with the colours of the chakras. Mm. It's not always the case because some crystals are associated with a couple of um, different chakras but in most cases that is the case okay how could you feel energy of a person uh you know doing the session online like how is it possible i don't know i don't know that that's where the analogy of the the radio waves comes in i guess you know how do we turn on a radio or a tv station and pick up you know what we're picking up through mm-hmm. the waves you know it's 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 a, a similar kind of thing. I, I think a lot of, of the stuff to do with spirituality, we don't have the answers. We, we just kind of have to accept that it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with Reiki energy. I, I don't fully understand how it works, but I know from having done, you know, multiple, I, I, I've lost track, you know, maybe I've done, you know, 70 or 80 distance Reiki sessions for people. What I find now also when I'm doing Reiki is I'll get insights. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sort of given guidance um, about things that they might be working through. And people have said to me, oh, you know, you were spot on with what came through. I don't know how it works, but I know from having done it that what I'm feeling is real. And what the other thing that I feel is where there's a blockage, um, sometimes I'll go into the Reiki session. I'm very happy, very peaceful, no, no problems. Then all of a sudden I come across a blockage and I get overwhelmed with emotions and feel very tearful and, Mm. and it's me releasing that person's emotions. It's not my emotions. Um, and I mean, how does that happen? How do I even know? And so I'll go back to that person and say, you know, I felt this or that. Um, and I can't explain why I felt it. And they'll say, oh, yes, that's, you know, that makes sense to me. Well, I don't know why that works, but I'm grateful that it does work. And I think it's such a beautiful thing. Can you feel my energy now or no? No, because to to actually feel the energy, I have to go through a process. Oh, um, okay. so I, usually, I usually, you know, start with a prayer and call in the Reiki energy. Um, and then I do all the Reiki symbols over mm. the person's body or in, you know, when I'm doing a distance Reiki over the bear. Um, and then, you know, I, I sweep the aura to clear blockages and scan. So it's, you know, you have to be in a certain mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I can call on the Reiki energy, but I um, I feel like, you know, I would need to be in the right place 
have the surrogate set up, have a, have a talk to you about, you know, what your needs are um, and set the intention. So yesterday I woke, I'd, I had a crook neck for a few days. Um, and so I just, um, you know, set the intention, called in the Reiki energy and placed my hand on my crook neck for about 10 minutes until the energy stopped and my crook neck went away. Um, so, you know, you can, you don't have to go through, mostly when I do Reiki, it takes an hour to an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's, um, wow, well, that's quite long. It is quite long. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're talking about healing people that, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the blockages that have taken years to build up. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, that was, that was probably a struggle for me when I first started doing Reiki because, you know, I'm an A-type personality and, and to sit there for an hour to an hour and a half and not actually be doing something was a real, real struggle. Um, but now I don't find it a struggle because, you know, you've got those lovely feel-good endorphins and I'm also, you know, focused on what am I trying to pick up with this person? You know, what are their needs? Where are their blockages? You know, and and you sort of focus on, you know, the love energy, Um yeah, now I I just I, I find it a blessing. It's it's really beautiful. What's the education like? How is it set up? Like I have no idea. Is it like reading books or I did two online courses and mm-hmm. both were done with Udemy. I think one was about three hours of videos and then you know working your way through it and then she you know, talked about the history and showed us how to do Reiki. And, and then she does an attunement, distance, a distance attunement, which works the same way as what distance Reiki does. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I did a, di- a different Udemy course on Reiki, which was much more technical focused. So there weren't the videos showing you how to do it, but there was a lot more information. And that one probably went for about eight hours. You know, I'd done a lot of research as well online. But then I wanted to take it further and and I wanted to join Reiki Australia and I realised that most of these organisations want you to have done it in person. And I really, really strongly recommend having done both online and in-person Reiki courses, I really recommend doing them in person because whilst doing the online ones gave me the information and so you're introduced to the history of Reiki you're shown how to do Reiki you're shown the symbols the meaning behind the symbols um you know the principles of Reiki um you know all of that is covered but when you go and do it in person and you feel the Reiki energy and you experience an attunement, which feels like such a, a sacred and beautiful ceremony when you have the attunement in person, I really do think it's better to do it in person. Doing it in person, there was a lot of discussion about um, you know, what Reiki is, you know, what are my needs? Um, you know, my I have a the one who um, attuned me in person is my Reiki master mentor, is a beautiful person, um, and she's like a friend to me. So it's it's really you've got to get your head around everything, learn the process, learn the symbols, 
Um, and then I think it mostly comes down to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the more you do it, the more your your third eye is opened up. So the more intuitive you can't become, the more you pick up. You know, over the last year, every time I do Reiki, I'm picking up more and more from the person that I'm doing Reiki on. Mm. Wow. Which is exciting. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. When yeah. Steve first took me to a crystal shop and um, I just picked up a crystal pendulum just out of curiosity. I really didn't know anything about it or, you know, what they could do. I've just got one here so I can show you. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I found that through um, the crystal pendulum that I could connect with, mostly with my guardian angels, but also spirit guides, mostly getting just yes and no answers, but they give me so much guidance in, in every aspect of my everyday life. I mean, I, I would encourage anybody to go out there and get a pendulum and um, learn how to use it. But the thing is with pendulums is you need to be open to it. So how do you use it? <laughs> so when I use my pendulum, I when I first got my pendulum, I had to program it and I had to ask that only my spirit guides and my guardian angels come through the pendulum. Um, and then each time I use the pendulum, every single time I use it, I ask that only those spirits, so my angels or spirit guides, um, come through the pendulum. And then for me, so I'll, I'll ask the pendulum, um, please show me a yes. Can you see that? So you're waiting for it to swing? Yes. And now please show me a no. Now, my sons have sat there and watched me do that and with such skepticism because they're like, Mom, you're doing that. You're doing that. But I said, no, feel free to hold my hand, hold my fingers, and you can study as closely as you like. And I am not, I swear to you, I am not moving the pendulum. And I'm not. The pendulum will, it, it, you know, the energy of the angels or your guides is what moves the pendulum. And um, the, but you need to find out when you get a pendulum how it's going to work for you. So for me, I always get a big circle for a yes or a, a back and forth swing for a no. But if you go and get a pendulum, it might be different for you. Mm. So that's why when you get your pendulum, you first ask that only your your angels or your guides or whoever spirits aligned with your highest would come through. And then you'll ask the pendulum, could you please show me a yes? And it might be different. You know, it may be a back and forth swing for a yes for you or, um, you know, an anti-clockwise swing for a yes and a clockwise swing for a no. It it is different for everybody. Um, And so you, when you, if you get a pendulum, that's something that you work out. Do you ask for a specific advice and then it gives you the answer? Yes or no answer or like? Yeah, I get guidance about absolutely everything you know everything from from spiritual guidance but you know even should should I do this or should I do that 
or you know even when I'm writing an email and and you know I tend to be quite a direct communicator you know um and so sometimes I'll I'll ask the angels and say you know does this email say all right sound all right and they'll kind of we go through it sentence by sentence and and they'll give me a no for a particular sentence and that tells me that I could word it a bit better or I should say it a bit differently and so you know I'll I'll reword it and then they'll go yeah that that sounds good if you're unsure about what step to where to go next in your career you know um, how to handle a situation with a friend or a loved one Um, you know you ask the right questions and you will get given guidance so for me they're just I have pendulums all around the house and I ask them for advice on everything Uh, and I've learned so much from them I uh, look I'm a big fan of them I think you can just get so much wisdom and guidance um, in every aspect of your life. And, you know, if, if people, you know, listening to this podcast have any questions about anything I've said, then they can feel free to, you know, message me privately and, and, and ask more questions because mm-hmm. whether it's art or whether it's crystals, whether it's pendulums, um, I, I feel really blessed to, to have access to that divine guidance Mm-hmm. Um, because I think as humans, we all struggle with so many things on a day to day, you know, what's the right thing to do here? What's my, what's my purpose? What am I, you know, where should I be going in my life? How do I handle this situation? We don't always have the answers. You can tap into that guidance, mm-hmm. um, whether it's your spirit guides, angels, whatever you believe, you know, your spirit people to be um you know you you can get help with your day-to-day life could you talk about your family you have a large family four or five kids four boys four boys yes yes uh, how did they influence you your creative pursuits how did you manage all of that i i don't get it my oldest son, he'll be 30 in July. Uh, so, and we had our first three sons, you know, reasonably quickly. There's two years. So 29, 27, 25, they are. Matthew, Joshua and Ben. Then we had a gap and I loved being a mum. I mean, I still love being a mum, but I love being a mum of young kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And I felt that the, or we felt that the boys were growing up so quickly Um, that we wanted to go back and have a, another one. So there's eight-year gap between Ben, our third son, and then Sam, our fourth son. Um, and a lot of people assumed that he was a bit of an accident because I was 38 when I had him. But he, he wasn't an accident. We just genuinely loved having the boys around and um, loved raising kids. So in terms of art, um, Probably only my second son, Josh, has any real interest in art. The other boys really don't have any interest in art but are very, very supportive of of my art journey. The um, oldest three are all married and um, Matt and Laura have two children. Ben and Shauna have a little six-week-old baby Um, and Josh and Tash just got married last Friday. Sam is in year 12, so his final year of high school. They're all beautiful. To me, they're still boys. They're men, really, but they're boys. They're beautiful boys, and I love their partners. They're like daughters to me. 
Um, and yeah, I, I just we we're very very blessed to have our family all around us, and we see them all the time. And except we're very blessed, and I'm very grateful. What is meaningful life for you? I mean, if you could share what you find meaningful in life, definitely just helping others. You know, mm-hmm. helping others. That that's it. That's it for me. I I don't really. People would find that surprising. You know, I never set goals, never have. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just a strong believer that, you know, the universe has a better plan for me than I can plan for myself. So I just remain very open to, um, I can see your cat in the background too. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very open to, you know, whatever is thrown at me. Um, but I think... The only time I feel frustrated is when I feel like, you know, I, I'm not having the opportunity to help people. I mean, that might sound, you know, mushy or, oh, you know, um, goody two-shoes, I suppose, but that's what makes me happy. That's what, whether it's family, whether it's, you know, fellow artists or, um, you know, through the Reiki, I genuinely just love helping people and that that's what gives my life meaning um mm-hmm. it, it just it doesn't really go beyond that you know mm-hmm. that's it yeah. well Karen it's been a very fascinating conversation <laughs> <laughs> I'd like so to glad. thank you for that um my pleasure really fun um, oh, and and so informative and just absolutely yeah thank you so very much oh i enjoyed it and thank you for inviting me sure if people want to connect with you uh how do they find you um well they can either contact me from you know karen hull on facebook website so i have karen hull art or karen hull healing have a good day karen thank you you take care thanks so much for watching this video i appreciate every single one of you and if you enjoyed uh watching our conversation please feel free to subscribe to my channel and share this video with your friends take care bye-bye